If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy, happy Friday, you guys. I don't know if you're having some Friday Night Lights football like we are this week, but I've got a football player on the show today that I'm so excited about. My guest is Sam Acho. Sam Acho is an NFL player. He's a writer, public speaker, and co-host of the Home Team podcast. Sam is also Emmanuel Acho's brother. And you guys might have seen us this summer on Emmanuel Acho's show, Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. Well, this is his brother, and I am so excited to have him on the show today. It's fabulous people like Sam that made me so happy to have men on the happy hour starting this year. I've loved it. Have you guys loved it? In today's episode, we chat about fun Super Bowl predictions, the process of transitioning to new seasons, and releasing his new book. He also dives into his journey of learning not to hide his emotions and allowing people to see him for who he is, the same way that the Lord sees us. You're going to love this conversation. Make sure also pick up his new book. It's called Let the World See You. Friends, right now we are knee deep in our read with me fun book club type thing where we're reading my new book, UBU, and this is what Amanda had to say about the book. I pre-ordered this book and have been part of the most incredible book club ever. Reading this book has been such an encouragement to me. In a world that wants to tell you that everything should be about you, we were created for a much bigger purpose, to bring God glory in everything we do by being just who he created you to be. This book is perfect to help us remember who we are. It challenges us to be better. It shows us compassion and grace when we know we will fail. I am thankful for Jamie and the words that she's given us for such a time as this. Amanda, thank you for your kind review of the book. I'm so thankful for all of the readers who have given UBU a chance this fall. There's still time for you to join us in this reading challenge this month. Text read with me, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. Again, that's read with me to 33777. Okay, friends, here's my conversation with Sam Ocho. Hey, Sam, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so glad to be here, Jamie. And apparently, like, so I was talking with Lindsay earlier, who's a boss, by the way, uh-huh. right? You gave her a shout out on social media. Like, she's part of your team. And I know y'all just started inviting men here. So I'm low-key honored to be on this podcast straight up. I'm so excited. It is so funny. We just have started having men this fall. And every man that's been on has been like, man, I'm so excited. Because we did this for six and a half years without any men. And now we're like, bring them on. We love the men. Come on. Yeah, I really am honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Well, in case anyone didn't catch my intro of you earlier, introduce yourself to my listeners. Definitely. So my name is Sam Acho. I played linebacker in the NFL for nine years. I am a speaker, humanitarian, but what I'm most excited about is I have a book coming out on October 13th. It's like a week and a half after your book, right? I'm like, it's the weirdest time to be releasing a book, right? Yes, yes. I have a book coming out. It's called Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And really my whole goal is, as we're talking about men, I want not only women, but men to understand, hey, it's okay to be you, 
whether it's your emotions or your, even sometimes there's anger, there's all these different feelings that oftentimes we hide. I want people to show the world who you are, to let the world see you. And so that's what I'm most excited about. Okay. So you played at University of Texas. Mm -hmm. Do you watch the college football games? I really don't. Okay. I really don't. I'll watch every now and again. Like I'll watch. Well, you didn't miss anything this weekend. Just to let you know. (laughs) I'll check the scores. I'll be like, oh, here we go again. Like what's happening? (laughs) Like some people, it's like every Saturday, I got to watch the games for me. I'm like, eh, if I'm not doing anything, I'll throw it on, you know? (laughs) Do you watch NFL games a lot? I do. Funny enough, I do. And I didn't before when I was kind of like in the thick of it, right? So I'm a free agent now. So I played last year. I'm not playing this year as of now, but before I didn't even watch any games. Cause I'm like, I do this for a living. Yeah. Kind of, I've had enough. But now, for whatever reason, I'm really excited about NFL games. So on Sundays, I mean, don't call me on Sundays. And I, I never thought I'd be that guy, but now I am currently that guy. So that is so funny. Well, do you have a favorite team or is that weird to say? No, it's not weird to say. Can you do that yeah. when you're an NFL player? Yeah, you could have a favorite team. I It's changed. I mean, so I like the Bears because I played for the Bears for four mm-hmm. years. But I was also released by the Bears. So a little of me, it's almost <laughs> yeah. like a jealous, like uh-huh. an ex relationship. It's like, oh, I kind of want y'all to lose, but I don't want to yeah. say anything. <laughs> and so, but I still have a bunch of friends for that team. I have some friends who played for Tampa Bay. And so, but my favorite team, yeah, it's, I've never really had a favorite team. It's always been players. I've loved specific okay. players. And now that I've played, I mm-hmm. got friends. You have friends on all the teams I've had. You're yeah, like, you can't much. watch a game without knowing someone. Do you want to yeah. predict who's going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, I think that, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to go far. Okay. I don't know if they can beat Baltimore or Kansas City, but I think okay. they're going to go far. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to go far. I don't know if they can. I mean, they have had trouble with you know teams like San Francisco and New Orleans. I think that the I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's 2020, so I think the, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh, that is 2020. It's 2020. That's 2020. <laughs> 2020. I am not a huge NFL lover, but my son, uh, both all my kids love to watch NFL. And my son, who knows the most about football, this is his prediction. You ready? He yep. predicts the Ravens and the Chiefs are going to meet in the Super Bowl. Well, see, here's the thing. The Chiefs are, I feel like it's easy to say the Chiefs because they just won. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So here's the thing. But here's the only issue with that. The Ravens and the Chiefs have to play and now this is turning into a sports podcast, right? I, Ravens, I love sports, Sam. Yes. <laughs> this okay. is so fun. So the Ravens and the Chiefs have to play each other in the, well, I mean, we're, all, we're you know, assuming a lot, but they have to, they're going to have to meet each other in the AFC championship game. So only one of those. Oh, that's, no, then maybe that's right. not who he said because he okay. knows football. So he, he wouldn't have said, said that. He probably said they'll meet each other in the AFC championship game. And I don't know who he said is going to come out on top, but one of those teams, He's saying one of those teams will be in the Super Bowl. The Bills are also in the AFC. Uh-oh. So I'm literally saying that. We're the saying Bills the AFC be- is stacked this year is what stacked. you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is so fun. I would sit and talk about football. I would be on a sports podcast yes. if I could. Um, yes. Well, come on. Me and, in uh, fact, me and I Steve always, Carter and, yeah, uh, and Sam, Sam Ponder, I, do what, we'll have you on. I always say, like, if you could go back and you're like, if you could have your dream job, my dream job would be like Sam Ponder or, you know, the amazing women who get to stand on the sidelines and talk about football for a living. What a job. That'd be so much fun. Yes. Um, okay. But this is not a sports podcast, Sam. So we will quit. I actually think there are a lot of women that are like, oh, yeah, they can have these conversations conversations as well. I love when I hear women talk about sports. It's so I'm fun. all about it, man. I mean, you got me going. If you don't want to do it, we can go there. I don't know. Like I said, it's 2020. We're so here for like this. My, but I mean, I'm, it's the Bills. I, it's I think the Bills, the Bills here we are going to do it this year. Set I don't it think, here. Yep. It's been said here. And then I think, who are they going to play in the NFC? I mean, I really like the Packers. I don't like the Saints. 
I don't like Tampa Bay as much as everybody's talking about Tampa Bay. Uh, I do like the Saints, though. Is that okay? No, it's okay. But I'm just saying, like, the last three years, look at what they've done. Like, they've been, you know, so, like, what's different? What has changed? Same coaches, same players. So, I mean, I think they're going to get to the NFC Championship or maybe the, you know, the divisional round Uh and and lose. Because, no offense to the Saints fans, but. (laughs) There it is. They are offended, by the way, if they're a Saints fan. And you said that. (laughs) No offense. They took it. They're offended. Okay, so you spent nine years um, in the NFL, free agent right now. Do you want to play next year? Yes and no. I mean, I've really thought about this a ton. So there's a chapter in the book about this, but just this idea of transition. Like, Mm -hmm. when do you transition and how do you transition well? I, about two years ago, something started to, like change in my heart, my desire started to change, right? This is like, and I just signed like a multi-year contract, mm-hmm. you know, multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, you're doing it. You made it. And for whatever reason, I wasn't happy. Yeah. I wasn't happy. And so, and a lot happened that year with an injury. And I got, I remember getting benched. We traded for this, you know, Khalil Mack, who's like a generational talent player. And so he took my spot and then I got, had an injury. Then I got released and so much happened. That actually, and that year was really when our book started to kind of come out. But in addition to all those things happening, I started even talking to a counselor as well. I was talking about things that I really love or don't love. And as I was speaking, when I was talking about football, it's, it would be like, yeah, you know, I've practiced tomorrow or yeah, I'm going to, you know, we got a game next week or we're going to the playoffs. Or, that'd be my thought. But when I was talking about speaking or even like ideas about the book, I'm like, man, I, I got a chance to speak next week to these people. Oh, I got a chance. To, I'll get so excited. And so I started asking the question, man, do I really want to play? And so Jamie, to answer your question now, do I want to play fast forward two years later? And, and granted, I played last year and I was with Tampa Bay last year. I don't in a lot of ways. Huh. I really don't. I think I'm ready to transition to something different, uh, yeah. to something new. I think transitions, I'm glad you wrote about that because I think transitions are oftentimes super scary because you start to go, and I don't know if this is how you're feeling right now, but I felt this at times in my life as well. And I feel like even, you know, we, we joke all the time about 2020 being a crazy year, but it's also a big transition year for a lot of people because they're having to pivot. They're having to figure out how to do their job differently or how to do a new job or whatever that might be. And so what is one of the things that you think has helped you think through that transition and not think like, oh, maybe I don't want to play because, you know, maybe I'm not as good or, or judging yourself or whatever. How have you transitioned well? And I think you're still transitioning. So what are some things that have helped you walk through that? I think the first thing is realizing that just because you make a decision doesn't mean you have to immediately make a move. Okay, that's good. And what I mean yeah. by that is, because I'm sitting with my counselor and he's asking me, do you actually want to play football? And no one had ever asked me that before. Hmm. I mean, my whole life- It's like it assumed. Been, yeah, it's assumed. And for me, I assume, yeah, I'm going to go to college, go to Texas. Okay, I'm going to try and get the starting spot. Okay, I'm the starter. Now I'm, we're winning games. We're going to the national championship, setting records. Now I want to get drafted. I'm, okay, I'm doing the drafting and I get drafted. Now I go to a team. Now I want to be the starter again. And I want to- do the whole thing and I get injured and I come back up and I go back down and come back up and I switch. And so it's like, okay, you got to go, go, go. And, and he asked me, he said, do you want to play? And I didn't know how to answer that question. I legitimately didn't know. I, no one had ever asked me. And so mm. even as we were having that conversation, the, what he said to me was really helpful. He said, it's okay to obviously be honest with yourself. It's okay to say you don't want to play if that's how you feel, but that doesn't mean that you don't. Mm. Right. He said, you may just play for different reasons now. Yeah. Because before it was, okay, I want to be the best and uh-huh. you know, I want to be, you know, records and I want to just be dominant and all these things. Um, but I mean, that was before getting married and having mm-hmm. kids and having all these injuries and saying, okay, God, and then also writing books and speaking mm-hmm. and really finding new passion. And so the last few years I've been coming to grips with the fact that I may not want to play doesn't mean I stopped completely, right? Yeah. Last year, 
right? That was 2018. 2019, I went back and I, I signed with Tampa Bay halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. My, yeah. But my posture, at least in my heart, had changed. The posture was no longer, I'm going to go in and embarrass everybody and be mm-hmm. the best. It was like, hey, I need a little bit of money, right? That would help. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's if you a could job. Be honest, a job. It's a job. Yeah. So the pay is great. Mm-hmm. And also I get a chance to minister to the guys in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I get a chance to do the things that I enjoy doing. And so my reason was different. Even this year, if a team called, right, I wouldn't automatically say, yes, I'm there. I would have to think about it a little bit. Okay, well, yeah. how would this affect my family and with COVID and all the different things? Mm-hmm. And so my advice would be, it's okay to be honest with yourself, but you don't have to, even if, even if it's something that no one else believes that you yeah. should do, mm-hmm. right? Talk to friends and get wise counsel, but you don't have to make the move immediately. I think that's really, really good because sometimes in the transition, it's like, I have to change everything right now. You know, I have to change everything right now. And that's so good. Who was your quarterback at Texas? It was Colt, Colt McCoy. Okay, awesome. You know, yeah. Colt was on the show earlier this year because I was just yes. thinking when you were talking, I was like, you're my second NFL player. And I was yes. like, I scored major cool points with my kids when Colt was on and Colt and Aaron are friends. So this is, I love all the connections. Yes. That was a fun conversation. And we talked about the national championship is why that made me think of it right then. Mm. Sam, you have this book that came out in October, Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. Where did this idea for this book come from? Because I think I look at the title. First of all, the cover is really, really cute. I love it. Cute maybe is not a good word to use with you, but it's a a great, it makes you go like, oh, what is this about? I think this is a conversation that a lot of people are having right now because we want authenticity. We want to be real. And sometimes it feels like even wanting to be real sometimes can be fake, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so where did this book come from for you? Where did this birth in you? Yeah, well, before I even answer that, I actually have a bone to pick with you. Oh no, did I do something wrong? I have a bone to pick. Oh no. I was getting ready to write the book and I I was super excited, had my, like the manuscript, not even the manuscript, but I had my book proposal and all the ideas was going, going, going and a lot of the chapters. And I had my title and I submitted it and they said, hey, we love the content. We love your writing about, we have to change the title. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is my title. I love this title. There's so much that happened. He said, we have to change the title. And I was really kind of frustrated. I was like, I'm keeping this title. And they said, well, Sam, here's the deal. There's another book coming out right around the same time your book is coming. The title of my book at inception was Be You. Oh, I love it. And, and, so, <laughs> and your book is called You Be You. And, and I didn't know who it was. I was like, whoever this person is, I'm going to find them. I'm so I'm gonna, mad at them. I'm, gonna, I'm so mad. And so how it started was in 2018, that season I was talking about where so much happened. We had a brand new coach. And, and for so long in my time in the NFL and in life, I felt like I had to pretend. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to pretend. And even I felt like I had to pretend that I just loved football. And it was the only thing I cared about when in all reality, I love like learning and school mm-hmm. and all the things. Yeah. And I love listening to people and just hanging. And I love, you know, even um, just like the personality types of football player, you think like big, bad and all the, and I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm super kind yeah. and nice and <laughs> emotional. And, and so we had a coach and he came in and his motto for our team that year was be you. Mm. It was be you. I don't care what you like or what you dislike, be you. And interestingly enough, that was his theme for our our team that year. But personally, it was a theme that started to really resonate in my heart. Sam, you have to be you. I remember a week going into training camp, just feeling a ton of pressure after signing this big contract and going to, you know, new coaches and everything. I'm supposed to be the guy this year. And I finally made it and feeling all this pressure and sitting down with a buddy of mine. And, and I was in a really dark place emotionally, relationships, all of my relationships with family, friends, mm-hmm. wife, kids were strong. And so I remember just saying, hey, I just want to get back to football. I just need the season to start. Let me just get back to football and I'll be able to be fine and everything will be good. He said, and I was crying 
in front of this dude, like just in tears. And he said, well, Sam, if that's how you feel right now, if every, cause I, I was like, man, my marriage is struggling. Mm-hmm. Oh, with my kids. I get angry with them. So he's, I don't know. And he said, if that's how you are right now, he said, I'm afraid what happens when football ends for you, when you retire, if, if you're just saying, Hey, this off season, anytime. I'm, and so, and so uh, I remember just sitting there crying. He said two things. He said, Hey, one, number one, maybe God's writing a book in your life and you may only be on chapter two. And then he also said something that really stuck with me. He said, oh, by the way, Sam, it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. And this is like mm-hmm. in my tears and mm-hmm. like everything, like snot bubbles. Like mm-hmm. he, <gasps> nice to see you. Mm-hmm. And he recommended, he was the one who recommended I talk to that counselor. So a week later, the day we reported a training camp that night, that morning, I'm at in a counselor's office. Never met with a counselor in my life, a therapist. Mm-hmm. And he asked me a couple of questions about emotions and hiding and all these things. Then he says, what do you do when you get angry? And I look at him because I, you know, no one really asked me that question. I said, well, I don't get angry. And he says, well, dude, come on. What do you do when you get angry? And I said, I don't get angry. And he says, well, everyone gets angry. So what do you do when you get angry? And I look at him. It seemed like there was no escape. I wasn't going to win this one. I just, I just started to cry. I started to cry. And, and as I'm crying, once again, like, <gasps> <sighs> like the, like I couldn't control, mm-hmm. like I can't control these tears cry. And he looked at me and he said, Oh, Sam, it's nice to see you, mm. you know? And so that was just the beginning of a journey of being seen, right? The next mm-hmm. day I'm in front of my teammates and I'm crying and I'm emoting. And it's like, I realized that when I showed people me, I wasn't shunned or rejected or tossed aside or thrown away or cast out. Instead, I was embraced. Mm-hmm. I was loved. I was accepted. I was welcomed. I was, for lack of better terms, hugged. Mm -hmm. And so this book was birthed out of a pain of hiding, but a freedom of being seen and being known and being loved. And a bone that I had to pick with you, Jamie. (laughs) I had to change my title to Let the World See You. It's a great title, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. That is so funny. That happens all the time for people. It's just hilarious. Okay, well, you mentioned something that I want to ask some more questions about. You mentioned, you know, when you started to come to terms with who you really are, you felt like seen and loved and hugged. And that's a fear that a lot of us have is like, if I show who I really am, I'm going to be rejected and I'm going to be pushed back. How has that changed your marriage? Yeah, go there. How has that changed your marriage? And how long have you been married? Tell me that. So I've been married about seven years. Okay. My wife, her name is Ngazi. She's from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Ngazi means blessing in Igbo. Mm-hmm. And she has been, I mean, she's lived up leaps and bounds past that, what her name means. We've been married for about seven years. I say about seven because we did two weddings. We did a Nigerian wedding, which was in Nigeria, uh-huh. right? 2,000 people in a field. And a oh village. my Everyone, gosh. Even people who weren't invited showed up. It was that <laughs> kind of wedding. Like, it was like, hey, hey, you're, you're getting married, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know you. But he's like, oh, I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And then we had an American wedding a few months after that. And so about seven years and me being me has changed my marriage tremendously. And what I mean by that is this early on, anyone who's married or even in a relationship, I think early on, we are scared in a lot of ways of exposing our real selves to our spouses, because what if the self that, what if who we are isn't who they want? Mm. What if who we are isn't who they want? So that's a fear that we have. And obviously the Bible says that perfect love casts out our fear. My wife said something to me the other night. She said, and this is after actually we had like a pretty good, you know, I don't want to call it an argument or discussion or debate, right? We had a, a disagreement and I would always run from those. Cause I said, man, I don't want to conflict wasn't my thing. And I don't want to, what if she leaves me like this, these fears. Right. Mm-hmm. And after our disagreement, she said, I love everything about you. Mm. I love everything about you. And 
there's nothing about you I wouldn't change. She started naming the things about. She's like, I like you. I love your nose. I love you. I go, and I'm like, it, funny. I wouldn't even look. I couldn't even. And I'm learning how to do this, right? But even to look her in the face as she said, because I felt a little bit of almost shame mm-hmm. of like, well, am I being to this or to that? She said, No, I love that about you. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you correct me, and it's vice versa, right? Because she, if anybody knows my wife, she's a, a she's a boss, right? She's a, a she's amazing, and so and she doesn't you know, take crap from anybody. She keeps it 100. And so the fact that I can keep it 100 with her uh-huh. now, because I wasn't doing that earlier. If something bothered me, I would just keep it inside and I would mm. just shut it up. Yep. Right. And then I'd just be mad for days. Yeah. Right. And now yeah. all of a sudden it's like our relationship was was getting further. But now, right, with letting the world see me and being me and even with this counselor as well, like now it's this idea of, oh, wow, hey, these things really hurt me. Mm. Like that really hurt my feelings. And I'm telling her about this. And instead of her being like, dude, come on, you're supposed to be a man. Like, man up, man up. She's like, dude, I love you. Mm. I love that part about you. And so anyways, it's been a radical change. And it's still, it's, I feel like it's like this upward spiral of like, wow, more and more and more. I'm getting yeah. almost caught up in a new kind of love, a love that's not conditional, a love that's not based off of how many dates can you go on or how, how nice of a ring do you have? And those yeah. things are all good. Or how many, you know, how much money can we make? No, a love based off of, hey, this is like a low part of that I'm not proud of. And she's like, yeah. let's work through it together. Mm. And you guys have three kids? We have three kids. We have a five-year-old, a, a three-year-old. She'll be four next week and a two-year-old. Oh my gosh. It is busy at the Ocho house. Three kids, wife, husband. Now, okay, so I have a question about, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about, you know, there was a season when like you were just like, I got to get to training camp. Thing, life is just hard. Life is hard. How, I just already asked you how this has changed with your marriage. What about parenting? What is that? When you think about, I'm going to be my real self. I'm going to let the world see who I am. I'm going to feel my emotions. I'm going to be true to myself. How has that changed your par- as a parent? I believe that now I'm starting to be the parent that I always hoped that I would be. Mm. Now that I am letting my son, I have two sons, right? But I have a five-year-old named Caleb and he's very much like me and super emotional and cries at the drop of a hat and loves hard and loves well and super just sensitive to people and what they, how they're feeling. And, and a lot of me was afraid that he would be taken advantage of. Cause I know for me, sometimes I felt like I was taken advantage of because of my kindness or my empathy. Mm-hmm. And, and so before I tried to almost like say, no, don't do that. Don't be that nice. And all these things. And now I'm realizing number one, I get to apologize to him for a lot of things. Mm. I don't have to act like I'm the big bad dad who has all mm-hmm. the, I get to apologize. And also like we hug a lot more. Mm. my son like we hug a lot more and I'll just tell him dude I'm so proud of you and even if you didn't do it right or how I wanted or even if you made a mistake we all make mistakes only mm-hmm. God Jesus is the only one who is perfect so yeah. we all make and then my daughter too she's three and she I mean for her it's these kisses she gives me these kisses and she always wants to play and you know daddy I want to make food and daddy can we go to the store and get these you know dolls to do family mm-hmm. stuff and so like for me I'm like yeah let me just love you for the things that you love. Yeah. And then last, my youngest one, he's just a free spirit. Like he just is his own person. Uh, Caleb is my oldest. Sophia is my second and Kelechi is my youngest. And he's, it's funny. We were in the hospital when he was born, maybe a few hours before he was born. We didn't know what his name was going to be. And we had already liked the name Kelechi, which means thank God and Evo, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know what his middle name was going to be. And a lot of me throughout my life, I felt like, man, am I ever going to be able to to get over the hump when it comes to like spiritual growth Mm -hmm. or when it comes to um, even like temptation or when it Mm -hmm. comes to all the things that we go through. And so we had this name in mind, his middle name in mind, but I was, that name was going to be Victor. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I said, ah, I don't really know. Because in, in my culture, names have meanings, right? Yeah. Name, everything, you know? So I was like, man, Victor, that means a lot because that means I'm, that means we're saying, man, you're a Victor. And we feel like mm-hmm. we're a Victor. I was like, I don't know if I feel that way. Yeah. And I was just being honest with my wife. Well, uh-huh. a few hours before, we're supposed to have this, you know, she's going to have a C-section and we're in the hospital. And this is right after I met with that counselor, right after I talked to my friend, right? Two weeks later in the hospital. And she, my wife turns this song on her phone, uh, on, on her phone called Victory by this Nigerian kind of artist named Eben. And this song just talks about like, it says like, come and see what the Lord has done for me. He has taken away my sorrow and now I'm free. And it goes into like a Igbo kind of phrase. It says, like almost like I'm going to like lift God up. And then it says, because of Jesus, every day I, and the phrase they use is shakara, but it's like, I kind of like can dance and have joy, right? God has given me victory. And she played that song and we essentially locked eyes and we said, let's name him Victor. Same and Victor. And so he's, so she, they kind of roll her to the back to do the C-section. She comes out, ba- she's fine, baby's fine. And we all, I mean, it was a 10 pound, six ounce baby, a big old baby. <laughs> she's fine, baby's fine. But she was kind of complaining about some stomach stuff. And they were like, oh, the doctor said, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Well, so 12 hours later, right? I'm, cause I'm sleeping in the hospital, just waiting with her in the middle of training camp, right? Day off. I was doing off. the math and I was like, yeah, okay, in the middle this of training is, camp, yeah. but this is like, I got a baby. So I got to uh-huh. go. Right. Yeah. Or we're having, you know, wife's having a baby. And so staying in the hospital, 12 hours later, I wake up after 12 hours after the C-section, after Kelechi's born, wake up to a room full of nurses and a doctor in our room and my wife screaming in excruciating pain. She had had blood clots mm. and She'd been complaining about something and the doctors kind of pushed it aside. Mm-hmm. She had blood clots and they weren't passing. They had to go and do a surgery. They were like large. Another surgery, 12 hours after a major yeah. surgery. Uh-huh. And so they wheel her out and she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to go back to sleep and all the things. And, and they said, if we don't do this, you're not going to, you may not make it. Wow. And so they <laughs> wheel her out and it's just me and Kelechi there, right? You said, how is this emotion thing changed my, you know, talking about kids and stuff. And so- and I'm crying out to God, like, God, what are you doing? Where are you? I didn't sign up for this. You're supposed uh-huh. to be, you're the one who raised Lazarus and, and, you know, you heal the sick and you tell the wind and the way, like, where are you? God, just say something. And crying out, and I felt like the Lord was like, and I said, just say the word and she'll be fine, right? You're the same God who mm-hmm. spoke to me. Just say the word. And I felt like he was like, she'll be fine. I, I just felt this peace. I said, all right, cool, fine. I just go and I sit down and I lay down on that little couch in the hospital rooms. And as I'm crying out and crying, and Kelechi's just sitting there, just chilling, just blinking his eyes, looking at me, kind of. And so ever since then, I said, okay, this guy's, first of all, he's awesome. And secondly, he's going to be my little buddy for life. Because y'all bonded right there in, right in there, the room. Oh the my room. gosh. And then you had to go back to training camp. Had to go back to training camp the next day. And I think that's honestly when a lot of my, really things came to, a lot of things in my life came to a head. Because I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if my wife wouldn't have made it. Mm. Who would have been there for me out of all of these teammates that I have and all these coaches and friends, they didn't, they really didn't care that much. Like mm. they're trying to make the team. They're trying to go and be great. Who would have been there for me? And so I remember going back the next day and just a lot was on my heart. Yes, I had more passion and desire to go and dominate, but also was very volatile as far as emotions go. I remember mm-hmm. walking to my coach's office the next day because my wife, you know, everything went well and she came back and she said, hey, go to practice. You got stuff to do. My parents were in town. She said, just yeah. go. So I went and I remember going to go see my coach to let him know that what had happened. And as I'm walking up, I actually walked by George McCaskey's office, who's the chairman of the Chicago Bears. He and I developed a relationship and he had heard what had happened and he had sent flowers and a text message and he called me into his office and he said, how's she doing? And I just slumped back on the wall 
and like lean down. I just start crying. Mm. Now this is in front of like, this is the guy who his mom is the owner of the team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just crying. And what George did, right? You asked the question earlier, how is this piece? How is this you letting the world see you affected your marriage, relationship with the kids, and even now with friends? What George, I never would have done this in the past. I'd have put it all together. Yeah. But what George did is he said, he didn't even say anything. He filled up a glass of water, put it in front of me, bottle of Gatorade, put it right there next to me and just sat down on a chair and just, mm. and just waited, waited yeah. with me. So that's a so good yeah. friend. It's a good friend. He's a good friend. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. 
Now, I know because I read this part in the book about how you guys developed your relationship, you and George. And so would you be willing to talk about that with me, about that relationship and how y'all developed that? Which you can, you know, tell how y'all became friends and how that looked in the football world. But you were playing it with the Bears when Colin Kaepernick was with the 49ers. And we saw him take a kneel in protests of the injustice that was happening against black men, black women in our country at the hands of people in power. And so tell the story about how you and George became friends and even what that was like for you being in the NFL playing when everyone was going, what are we going to do here? Mm. Yeah, so... I had just left the Arizona Cardinals. I'd signed with the Bears and I was just trying to figure out life and hopefully I can make the team year after year. And and but one thing I always love doing is I love doing these like celebrity waiter nights, these fundraising events for my, you know, my I have some nonprofit stuff that we my family and I do in Nigeria. And so it was my second year with the team and I I had set up this what I thought was gonna be an awesome celebrity waiter night where the players come and they're serving you. So not imagine like your favorite that players. That would be fun. Yes. It'd be fun, right? I love it. Yeah. Yes. And so I had it all set up and it was a weekend before the event. I went to the mall to just go grab something. You know, I don't know what I was doing in the mall. And I saw George McCaskey, who I really hadn't really spoken with. He's the chairman of the team. His mom is the owner. Their family is the McCaskey family. It's like, you don't really, it's, I didn't never talk to him. And you're brand new. And I'm brand new. Brand I'm brand new. new. And, you know, I'd been there for about a year, but I hadn't really, you know, I'd, it was you know, whatever. It's like the first off season that I really had with mm-hmm. the team. And George sees me. He says, hey, Acho. And I'm like, who the heck? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I go and I say, oh, George, nice, nice to see you. Nice to meet you. The whole thing. Yeah. And he said, hey, so I heard you're having an event coming up on Monday. This is, Saturday, this is Friday or Saturday we're talking. I heard you're having an event coming up on Monday. Why was I not invited? And I'm looking like, I, you know, I thought I sent the, you know, and, but, I, and I didn't but know. But really what you're thinking is like, I don't know you. I don't know if that'd be weird. Yeah. Right. Or I don't know. And, and also I was like, are you being, are you joking? Are you being serious? Like, and I didn't know him. And so, and uh, I was like, well, I, actually, sir, like, give me your number. I'll get you the invite and I, I'd love to have you there. He says, awesome. I'll be there. And so, cause I didn't know, I didn't know if, yeah. you know, do you invite the coaches? Do you invite uh-huh. the management? Am I, I'm not trying to be the guy who's, you know, sucking up to, yeah. uh-huh. and so I said, get his number or email address. Really. I email him the invite. And on Monday, the day of the event, he's the first one to show up. And not only does he show up to this celebrity waiter night, he shows up in an Acho Jersey. And so he's there early. I'm there. He might've got there before me. And so we had a chance mm-hmm. to really to talk. And yeah. first of all, I was shocked that he showed up. And, and as we're talking, he said, Hey man, I, Though I hadn't met you personally yet, I knew you because my friend who's the owner for the Arizona Cardinals spoke the world of you Mm. and he thinks the world of you. And so how could I not show up to this event? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he showed up for me built this level of trust to where a year later when everything was happening with Colin Kaepernick and he was taking a knee and protesting social injustices, really racial injustice in our country. And then... So all that was happening and, you know, he was taking a knee. And then at that time, the, well, the president had made some comments as well about NFL players saying all those players should be fired and SOBs. Those, those are comments that he made and a lot of players were not happy about them. And so essentially the entire NFL, a lot of players are ready to take a knee. And so it's the night before the game. This is week three of our season, right? The next year, the night before the game, uh, the comments had just been made and we were up in arms. And so I had just left the chapel. We have a chapel the night before, then we have a team meeting, then we go to sleep, and then we play the game. I'm walking out of chapel, walking towards a team meeting, and I get cornered by George McCaskey, who's the chairman of the team, Ryan Pace, who's the head coach of the team. Excuse me, Ryan Pace is the general manager, and John Fox, who's the head coach. And at this point, I think this is my last day as a bear, right? When do you ever meet with (laughs) the- Like, why are all three of you coming at me? Yeah. Right, right. 
And they and they stop me and I'm thinking, okay, give me an excuse or an answer. What happened? How do I stop it? And they say, Sam, what are you all going to do tomorrow for the game during the national anthem? And I'm like a little low-key relieved that I wasn't like, hey, Sam, turn in your playbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but they say, what are you going to do? And and I look at them and George never rarely came to the team hotel the night before. He rarely came to these meetings. Where, and I look at him and say, honestly, I don't know. I have to ask the guys. There were, there's so many yeah. emotions going on. I have to ask the guys. But I, but I said this, I said, George, and I, I addressed George directly because we had a relationship. I said, but George, if you're here and you want to say something, if you're here going to be at this meeting, you have to say something. We need you to say something. You, know, we, you never show up to this stuff anyways. You have to be here to say something. And, and he didn't give me a response. I didn't know if he was going to or not, but I said, I don't know. Let's ask the guys. And so I said, you have to say something. What would help us would be to know that no matter what we did is that we had your support. Mm-hmm. So we'll fast forward. We go to the team meeting and the head coach says a word or two. The general manager says the same. And then lo and behold, George McCaskey walks from the back to the front. Anybody who knows George, very quiet, soft-spoken, walks from the back to the front and says, guys, here's the deal. We play at Soldier Field play at Soldier Field. And and the head coach, his dad was in the military, Navy SEAL, right? So it's like, we have the utmost respect for the military. But I also understand where you all are coming from. So my only ask is that whatever you decide to do, do it together. And so with that, the meeting adjourned. And usually the night before games, we finish that meeting, we'll go, we'll get a little bit of ice cream, hang out in the hotel, just laugh, joke, Mm -hmm. kick it. Well, this time there wasn't any laughing and joking and kicking it. We were meeting, we were meeting and in the hallway, meeting in our hotel rooms, meeting in the dining hall, meet, just meeting, talking, and trying to come to a consensus. There were some guys who said, I mean, I'm taking a knee no matter what. I don't care. Mm-hmm. One dude, Benny Cunningham, he, he was in St. Louis playing for the Rams right around when uh, Mike Brown, who was Mike Brown, was, was killed. And a lot of his teammates protested, and he didn't. He was scared. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I missed that opportunity then. I don't care. I'm taking a knee no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And we had other guys, right? Benny was a black guy from, from Tennessee. We had an, another guy, a white guy from Pensacola, Florida, Josh Sitton. He just came from Green Bay. And he said, hey, man, I put my hand over my heart. That's what I do. Yeah. It's who I am. And I'm not changing. Mm-hmm. So that's where I stand. And, and then you had guys in the middle. And so we went to sleep that night. I went to sleep that night, not knowing what we were going to do. And no, I wasn't a captain on the team and I wasn't, you know. Uh, it wasn't on your shoulders to make this decision. You were no. just a part of the conversation. No, but it really was though, Jamie. Okay. Because for whatever reason, maybe it's because of who I am. I love talking to people. I get the pulse of the team. It was on my shoulders to say, what are we going to do? People mm. trusted me. Yeah. And I didn't ask for that and say, uh-huh. hey, guys, I'm the captain. I'm the quarterback. And they just yeah. said, hey, Acho, what are we, what are we doing? So that's what yeah. happened the night, the next morning. <laughs> walk into the, the uh, get to the stadium. We all got there two hours before. It's kind of when you're required to get there as a player. And I walk in the locker room and immediately I see Josh and I see Benny. And look at me and say, Acho, what are we doing? What are we doing tomorrow? What's the plan? And funny enough, the night before I was super stressed out because I said, God, I didn't ask to be put in this position to make the decision for the entire team. If I make the wrong one, it could damage my relationship with the owner, with the chairman. It could potentially ruin my image and how I look and all the things. And I was, being, I remember being stressed out. And I don't remember what verse it was that I read that night, but either someone sent me a verse or I, found, I read a verse. And I just, it's like this peace just overwhelmed me. Because mm-hmm. like, you're going to be okay. And so I wake up the next morning, go to the locker room. They ask, you know, Benny sees me. Acha, what we doing? Josh sees me. Hey, Sam, what, what's the plan? And I look at it, I look at everybody. I say, we're going to put our hands over our heart. We're locking our, or sorry, excuse me. I said, we're going to lock arms. We're locking arms as a team to show that we're a team, that we're united. We're going to lock arms. And so that's what we did. So we went out as a team. We locked arms. The, the team we played against, it was a, I mean, some guys on that team stayed in the locker room. Some guys came out. Other guys stayed in the tunnel. One guy had their hand. It just wasn't a good look yeah. from their team. We ended up winning the game. And after that, George came to me and said, 
And then after that, so we're in the locker room. I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I just yeah. know that we won. And so we're in the locker room. I'm sitting down, still kind of nervous, thinking if I made the right decision. Well, George shows up in the locker room now. Now he's making a beeline right at me. And now I'm thinking, okay, now I'm really done for. This is really the time. And he comes right to me. He puts his hand out. He shakes my hand. He says, Sam, I'm proud of how you handled that. But I don't want this to be the last time we're having these kind of conversations. If you, if you want to continue to have the combos, continue to try and make real change, come up to my office and let's talk. Invite any player you want. Let's have a conversation because I care about this stuff mm-hmm. as well. And so I did. And so that developed into a really cool relationship where I'm not going to give away the rest, but we got a chance to do some really cool stuff. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this is my question for you, Sam. I love that story so much. I wanted you to talk about it when I read it in the book. This is just my personal inquiry here that I was just wondering. You're talking about this, the conversations that you um, and George were having. Would you say that that was happening behind the scenes in a lot of NFL teams that maybe we just didn't know about? No. No, No, it wasn't. That was an anomaly. Okay. It was an anomaly, yeah, because people didn't know how to have the conversation back then. Taking a knee was the most, yeah, was the most, in a lot of ways, divisive uh-huh. and looked down upon things you could do. People didn't understand. If you go back and watch Colin Kaepernick's first interview, he said, "Man, I got family in the military. I love the military. Yeah. This has nothing to do with the military, but it has to do with just I'm seeing black people getting killed mm-hmm. every single day by people in power, by police officers, by people in, yeah. in power, and I just want our country to." to live up to, you know, its creed and to what it says. And so people didn't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do with A lot of people thought it was disrespecting the flag and the military and people didn't know what to do. And so I don't, those conversations really weren't happening, mm. at least from owner to management or sorry, from ownership to players. It was really more, obviously players had their circles and maybe ownership had their circles and their ideas and blacks had their circles and whites mm-hmm. had their circles, white people, white people. But that, crossing that chasm was was unique. It wasn't happening. It's interesting because, you know, if the listener doesn't know, Sam's brother, Emmanuel Acho, put out some great videos this summer. Our family was in one of them. That was super exciting. But one of the videos, the last one that I believe is the last one that he did was with Roger Goodell. And that was, you know, an interesting conversation. And I feel like it helped a lot of people. You can correct me if I'm wrong. To me, it helped me as a woman who cares about these issues and who's raising black children. When I heard Emmanuel talk to Roger Goodell, it helped me feel like there were conversations happening maybe for the first time that should have happened a while ago. And I don't know if, would you agree with that statement? That's absolutely accurate. I, yeah. I mean, from 2017 till now, so three years or different, what a difference, three, really almost four years. So that's mm-hmm. when Cap started really taking the knee in 2016. Yeah. What a difference four years can make. These conversations that weren't happening then are happening now. These people coming to the table that wouldn't come to the table earlier coming to, to the table now. And so for me, I'm I'm encouraged because I'm seeing people willing to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Willing to address issues that they were maybe blinded to or maybe didn't know about beforehand. So I'm yeah. super encouraged. I'm encouraged as well. And, you know, I always tell people, like, these aren't the first time most people are having these conversations, but it's exciting to see people kind of having that light bulb go off because, I mean, the truth is for, you know, most white people in the world, they don't have to think about these things because it doesn't affect their life. And so all of a sudden with 2020 slowing down and people maybe seeing things and hearing things for the first time, it's been really great. Something funny is that when your brother interviewed Mr. Goodell and he referenced the video that my family yes, was in. Yes. Let me tell you, Sam, my phone was blown up. People being like, Roger Goodell better get you some football tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's I saw funny, that. That, yeah. that brought me great joy. And obviously I saw the interview that episode you all did with Emmanuel and 
obviously that was strong. And then to see Goodell go back and reference that, because I reached out to Goodell. So we developed a relationship and Emmanuel wanted to have him to have come on. And, and so I reached out and he and asked if he had seen any of the episodes. He said, mm-hmm. yeah, he had. And so though I didn't know which ones he had or what he was going to reference, but yeah, it just goes to show like the power that comes when you actually let the world see you. Yeah. Right, Jamie, mm-hmm. you and Aaron could have said, well, this is not our place. And maybe we just sit back and it's risky. Mm-hmm. It's risky. Mm-hmm. But you said, you know what? Let's let the world see us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm going to remind my kids of that. Um, people have asked how my kids have been doing since then, and honestly, my kids aren't having these conversations on an everyday basis. You know, it affects my kids. You know, we live in Dripping Springs, which you know where that is outside of Austin, a predominantly white area, and I'm raising black children. I think maybe am I right that you and Emmanuel grew up in a like predominantly white area? No, absolutely. That, that's yeah. absolutely right. So like, it's not, I know that these conversations are happening, but Aaron and I have told our kids often, like, we're so proud of you because what you did that day, it feels kind of small to you. And like, they've gone on and, you know, they're like just playing football and playing Fortnite, you know, but I'm like, you guys have, you made a really big impact on a lot of people's lives. And so I'm so proud of my kids. So proud of my kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they did. They let the world see them and their emotions and their real feelings. And so I was grateful for that opportunity too. Yeah. yeah and it changed so many people's perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. I think it just brought this real. Uh, so I may not tell a lot of people this. And I mean, you know, there's no reason to, but maybe it does. But not before every episode, but before a lot of episodes, we'll talk and we'll chat. And, you know, I'll say, hey, man, who's up next or how's it going or whatever. And I know he was excited about a lot, but he was. I think most excited about you all's in a lot of ways because he said, this is going to reach people that may not have been reached before. He said, this episode is going to be fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? And before it was released, because he, that y'all taped it, y'all did the thing. He said, bro, I shed real tears. Mm. Anybody who knows Emmanuel knows he's not the crier. Mm-hmm. He's not the emotional. He's very just logical and yeah. you know, A squared plus B squared is C mm-hmm. squared. And I don't need to hear anything else. And he said, dude, I I shed real tears. And so he's like, that episode, I mean, I know it changed a lot of people. Well, I think what was so beautiful and profound about that episode was nothing Aaron and I did, but it was just, you're seeing, it's hard to, when you, I think I always say stories change the world because I think when you hear someone's story, when you have proximity to someone and you hear their pain and you hear what they're going through, it's different than what you read on Twitter or see in the news or whatever, like real people's stories. And so then they're looking at my teenagers saying, this is how we really feel. And I think it's just hard to turn away from that. And it's hard for you to kind of well, that can't be true, you know, for them. And you're like, well, this is like a 15-year-old kid and this is what he's feeling. Like, that's not fake. So it was really good. So anyhow, grateful for that conversation. And Sam, I'm so grateful for this book. This book, Let the World See You, almost called Be You. And, you know, I I love that. And I'm still mad. (laughs) I'm a competitor, right? So I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't care who this person is, man. I don't care whoever they are. Let's convince them to change their title that is so funny and then literally and then like i think it was like a month ago i saw maybe it was over probably over a month ago and i was like it was jamie (laughs) it was you know so anyways uh no but i'm excited in all reality and i love my title like i love like let the world see yeah i think that's real because even as a uh, publisher and as editors were looking at it they said hey i understand like the point you're making be you but what you're really trying to say, mm-hmm. as, as we read through it, is as anybody reads a book, you're really saying, no, let the world yeah. see you. Mm-hmm. Let them see your quirks, your passions, your desires, your family. Let them yeah. see you. Mm-hmm. And the freedom will come from that, just like we talked about now yeah. with your family. Mm-hmm. You let the world see you. And who knows, that may have opened up the door for Roger Goodell to mm-hmm. come not only do the interview with Emmanuel, but to change his mindset yeah. on what 
how do you do race well in yeah. America? Mm-hmm. Right. And now all of a sudden that could inform his decision when it comes to the NFL for the next 10, 20, 30, however long so he's true. the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Because you, Jamie, and Aaron and your kids, y'all let the world see you. And so mm. that's my desire. My goal is that anybody who reads this book, that their life would be changed mm. by, they would read the book and they would say, you know what? I'm going to let the world see me. And they not only will they receive freedom, but everyone around them will receive freedom as well. My prayer is that people will pick up the book, read the pages, and they'll be different afterwards, right? They'll be different. And then now, like you saw with you and with Emmanuel and with your family and with Goodell, they might even realize it, right? Okay. The kid's like, I, you know, I said something, I was in tears. It was okay. But now Goodell's doing this mm. stuff. And now it's changing young black men mm-hmm. who are going through the NFL, young white men who are going through the NFL, moms whose kids play in the NFL, or now it's going to high school, I'm college. So I mean, yeah, one action, one mm-hmm. risk of, because it's risky to let mm-hmm. the world see you, but yeah. one one risk is really what I'm after. I love it. And I'm, I think our books are like cousin perfect books for people to read because we're, we're saying the same thing. And it's so important because we've both experienced the freedom that comes from that. And I, I'm just going to say it. I'm like, I need Roger Goodell to see the Ivies at a football game is what I need Roger Goodell hey, to do. Come on. <laughs> let's go. Forget y'all. Forget y'all. You need to give him tickets to the Dripper Springs game. You That's him- right. Come on. We're doing good out here. If a friend asks how you're doing, And you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. (laughs) Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to (laughs) sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Sam, okay, I ask everyone at the end, what are you loving? What are you reading? Is there something that like you're loving these days or a book that you're reading? What's what's making you excited? Yeah, one thing I'm still reading is this book called uh, Jesus. It's a devotional called Jesus Calling uh, by Sarah Young. And honestly, I started that almost two years ago. Started reading it right around Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. the year that, I mean, everything, all this stuff is all around the same time. Right Mm -hmm. after my wife and that stuff happened, then I, we traded for Khalil Mack and then I tore my pec. So I was injured. I was out for the season. I usually could never travel during the season, right? I hadn't seen my family for Thanksgiving in 10 years Mm -hmm. because I hadn't been home because Texas. College, yeah. Yep, really 12 years because yeah, Yeah. college we played and NFL, you got games. And so Mm -hmm. I asked my coaches and the staff, hey, I know I'm doing rehab and I'm injured, but is it okay if I go home for a few days, take a long break? And Mm -hmm. for me, that was a big deal because I'm supposed to be the guy who's always on time and showing up. And they say, yeah, feel free, go right ahead. And so I did and got a chance to spend Thanksgiving with my family for the first time since high school, right? At home, not with them, mm-hmm. but at home. Yeah. And I stumbled upon this book that I don't even know who gave it to me. I didn't, I just saw it. I said, let me just open this thing up. And mm-hmm. funny enough, I opened it up and it was signed by a friend of mine named Ali Moran, who she was a soccer player at Baylor 
when my sister was getting her master's in healthcare administration at Baylor. And I remember going to some of their, my sister's classes just because I love learning. And I was uh-huh. just like, hey, let me I was in college. I was like, let me just go. I might've been in the NFL at the time. And I said, let me just pop in on this class. And I had some friends who played for the UT soccer team who had transferred. And so I remember meeting Allie and she, her dad had just got diagnosed with some disease. I didn't know what it was, but um, she had a younger brother who loved football. And so I actually went over to their house and just played football with the little mm-hmm. brother. It just didn't, I didn't, I was like, hey, I got time. I'm hanging out. Let's do it. And I guess she had mailed me this book. Maybe she gave it to me. I didn't think too much of it. That was back in like 2010. Oh, wow. I just had it up in the room. My parents were at my mm-hmm. parents' house. Well, come back 2018 and I see it and I open it up and I read the devotional for that day. And when I say it spoke to me, it spoke to me and I literally have not put it down since. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading that every day, usually every morning. That's what I'm reading. Yeah. That book is a classic, timeless. If anyone's looking for a good devotional, go get Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. Sam, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the happy hour. This has been so much fun. We talked, this is like my favorite kind of day. Like we talked football, we talked marriage, parenting, being our true selves, freedom. This has been great. So thank you for joining me. No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited. And hopefully it's 2020. So I don't know if I'm going to be right on my uh, football predictions, but ask your son what he thinks. I, I really want to know so we can maybe talk offline because I'd love to know what he thinks because everybody's saying it's, it's going to be the, you know, the Chiefs and I don't know. We'll see. I should have texted him while we were chatting to see his the real predictions, but I'll let you know what he says. Please yeah, do. Yeah, please yeah. do. Thank you, Sam. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. You guys, I loved having Sam on the show, and I'm still giggling over the fact that he had to change the title of his book because of my book title. Isn't that funny? Also, I would like to tell you that my son, Deacon, has made his final predictions for the Super Bowl. He is predicting the Titans and the Cardinals. So if you like football, if you like NFL, who are you predicting to go to the Super Bowl this year? Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, enjoy your weekend. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And next week, I am bringing to you so many of our favorite godmother, Lisa Bevere. You're going to love the wisdom that we had in this conversation coming up next week. Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 